Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Autograph. I don't want your autograph. That's the MPS word of the day, as in CJ McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers, who announced via Twitter he will no longer be signing autographs because of the coronavirus. He told everyone to wash their hands, use hand sanitizer, cough into their sleeve. And by the way, I will not be signing autographs until further notice. I have heard more excuses from players in 2018, 20 years. This is it. We've got a podium excuse. He will not sign autographs because he's afraid he will get the Corona virus. CJ, bring your own pen. Take a minute after a game, sign a few autographs. Sometimes they come in the mail. You could still do it. Autograph, CJ. Breaking news here on Nothing Personal and CBS Sports HQ. We are going to go live to the press conference where the Knicks have named Leon Rose as their team president. Four. Going live. Three. Two. One. Are you there? Anybody? Leon. No press conference for Leon Rose. Jim Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, would not let Leon Rose do an introductory press conference, naming him the new president of the team. We had space reserved to go live as breaking news. And for whatever reason, the Knicks are in such good shape as an organization that they felt there was no need for a press conference when they're naming the top basketball executive. They've moved on from Steve Mills. They've moved on from Mike Woodson. They've moved on from David Tisdale. Fisdale. Now they've got Leon Rose. Do you know what he looks like? Have you Googled him? Well, you would know if by chance they'd had a press conference. But instead, Leon Rose did the following for all you Nick fans out there. If you're listening to Nothing Personal, appreciate it. If you're watching, this is a two-page letter by Leon Rose to New York Knicks fans introducing himself. It is a seven-paragraph treatise. In the seven paragraphs, he uses the word I 14 times. I, I, I want to take a moment to say how proud I am to oversee this franchise. I want to let you know what to expect. I've had the privilege of shaping players. He was an agent for 25 years, claiming that all of a sudden that means that he knows what it is to put a team together or run any sort of business. In my career as an agent, I experienced the intricacies of the league. No, he didn't. 
Just ask Brody Van Wagenen whether being an agent automatically gives you the ability to run a baseball or basketball operation. Then he went crazy. And he said, for the remainder of the season, I will work tirelessly behind the scenes. Not after, just for the remainder of this season, he's going to work tirelessly. He keeps going. It's the most bizarre letter I've read in a long time. I ask for your continued patience. I promise you in return that I will be honest and forthright. I can't even look at it anymore. Here's what you do when you become president of the Knicks with a franchise that has not been successful for two decades with an owner who is so involved and so meddlesome that people from the mailroom to the assistant to the traveling secretary up to the head coach find it impossible to succeed with Dolan around. You take it head first. You demand a press conference. You demand to take the mic and you demand to be the public face. You demand to say, that this is not about anything other than doing what's right for the Nick organization. This is about changing what we've done so badly for 20 years. This is about telling you, the Nick fans, that we've been wrong. As an owner, this is Jim Dolan talking. As an owner, I have let my personal feelings and emotions get in the way. That has stopped us from winning games. I have made a lot of hires in my career as owner, and they haven't all worked out. This one's different. We are bringing in Leon Rose, and I'm giving him the power to actually run this team. Here he is. I want to introduce him, and then I'm getting off the stage. This is Leon Rose, your new president, the new face of the franchise, the person that you can depend on to finally get a NBA championship back to New York for the first time since 1973. Now, that would have been a press conference. That would have been breaking news on CBS Sports HQ. Instead, it's a dud of a letter to fans. Did it go to season ticket holders? Did it go to general fans, non-revenue producing fans? Anyway, guess how it ended. I look forward to seeing you at the Garden. I'd like to bet you a dollar, and here's my dollar bet. There's zero chance you'll see Leon Rose at the Garden because you won't be able to get anywhere near Leon Rose. And if you were to get near Leon Rose, there'd be security. And that's the only way you'd actually know who Leon Rose is because he'd be surrounded by security guards. This marriage between Leon Rose and Jim Dolan is guaranteed to fail because they did not set up the rules in advance. They did not put certain checks and balances in place to make the possibility of this presidential term being different than even that of Phil Jackson or any other presidential term under the power of Jim Dolan. So for all of us Nick fans out there, I'm sorry to say it's another two decades. Okay. You know what? Uh, it's funny. And we would sit around in baseball front offices. And we would think about ways that we could control the news cycle. What can we release when? When should we tweet something? When can we get our players to get behind an initiative? We would actually try to be very coordinated. We'd even try to create viral moments knowing that you can't. But there are certain videos we would shoot or certain moments that we try to manufacture and pretend that they were organic. We'd set something up and say, listen, all right, we're going to film you, player, speaking to this 
uh, disabled child, and we're going to try to make this a moment. Everything that we try to sort of make as though it would be positive news when we can't sell the product on the field. And for so many years with the Marlins, we were rebuilding or not fully rebuilding. We were just straight out losing. We were trying to figure out why, how to make it better that we had to trade away some players. So you're always trying for this level of PR. MLB and Central Baseball in New York, they sit around from a much more global standpoint. They're not looking at it on a team-by-team basis. They're talking about the industry. They're monitoring. They have a service where they actually have the clips from every single one of the 30 baseball cities, all the big national writers, all the people on CBS and some of the other network writers who are writing articles about baseball. They monitor it. When PR people think it's important enough, they show it to the head of communication named Pat Courtney. When Pat Courtney thinks it's important enough, he'll show it to Tony Petiti and to Rob Manford. That's normal, standard operating procedure. But what they're doing behind closed doors when the cameras aren't on, when people aren't looking, is they're sitting around trying to make sure they can plan in advance as best as they can when something negative is going to happen. I grant you, baseball has not done the best of jobs. They seemed ill-prepared when the Astros report came out on sign-stealing and the fault that was going to take place. Before that, they seemed ill-prepared for all the talk about juiced baseballs and about the difference in baseballs. And one thing you can always count on baseball to do when they feel like they have been under a sneak attack, what do you do? You commission a study. That's always our go-to. We're going to convene the Blue Ribbon Panel. We're going to get four economists together, and we're going to talk about the economics of baseball. Then we're going to get Senator George Mitchell, and we're going to have him name some players who did steroids, PEDs, because we're going to basically have to react to everything that's gone on, including congressional intervention. Well, the latest thing is the sign-stealing scandal, and MLB sat around saying, hey, is that it? Do we have to do any other containment as the season begins? Well, there was something that came up last year, and that was the baseball and the number of home runs and the actual scientific design of the Major League Baseball. There were players who were coming out and saying the balls last year were different, and that's why home runs were being hit. That's why the ball was traveling so well. It had something to do with the seams of the baseball. So, of course, Major League Baseball commissioned a study. And, of course, the study, which is totally done with the left hand and the right hand of the same body, said, hey, there's no change other than the normal standard deviation amongst people who hand sew baseballs. But it's all within the standard of a Major League Baseball. There's nothing to see here. But when you want real information about a baseball, or let's go back. I interrupt this little tiny segment to remind you about Deflategate and to remind you how interesting it was that Tom Brady would be, of course, the go-to guy on how a football feels. When you tell Tom Brady that a football is not inflated to the proper weight, he then has zero credibility telling you, hey, I couldn't really feel the difference. I spoke about this on HQ many times. Tom Brady knows exactly how many pounds are inside the football. Period. No question about it. Just like every baseball pitcher, they know exactly how a hardball is supposed to feel. They know how the seams feel. They know what the mud is supposed to feel like when you rub mud. These baseball pitchers, that is their, that's their brush as an artist. That's their brush stroke is how that ball feels. So if you want to know what's going on with baseballs, what do you do? 
you go to a pitcher and you ask a pitcher, how does the ball feel? Well, last year, the pitchers came out and said, hey, it feels different. I can't really grip it. Baseball said, no problem. There's no change. Leave it be. They sat in their offices and they said, well, let's hope. Well, yesterday, the hope disappeared when Masahiro Tanaka and Zach Eflin both came out and said, guess what? The ball this spring training is back to the way it used to be. The ball is totally different. I was speaking to a pitcher before this show started who was telling me the ball is so different this spring. It's so much easier to get spin on the ball. Spin is based on grip. Grip is based on seams. When the seams are flat, as one pitcher described, it's like holding a cue ball. You try throwing a cue ball and making it spin. Now, when the seams are bigger, you can truly get a grip on it. Therefore, you can go through your motion and therefore you can get spin. When you can get that spin and assuming that there are no trash cans around, there is a good chance that that will be hard to hit. So why is baseball upset that pitchers are going public saying the ball's different? Because they made a mistake by not coming out and getting in front of this. Home run numbers are already down in spring training. Is that meaningful? No, not at all. Don't compare the first two weeks of spring training games from 2019 to the first two weeks of spring training games for 2020. It is so small a sample size as to render it completely irrelevant. It's like saying that 38% of people say they will no longer drink Corona beer because of the coronavirus, and the margin of error in that study is 38%. In other words, it means nothing. Too small a sample size. So what do you do? You wait for the season to go on. You wait for April numbers. You wait for May numbers. Then you wait for June and the humidity and the temperatures to go up, and that's when balls usually start carrying more. By the end of the season, you will have a full year of data. Once we get through 2020, then we can compare to 2019. Then we can look at the home run numbers, and then we'll be able to know exactly what a difference the ball may have made in 2019. Why couldn't baseball have just come out and done this? Why let it be that we now have a story again off the field? When you've got a New York Yankee pitcher, who is so popular in Japan, so popular in New York, come out and say, yes, the balls are different. What are we doing as MLB? What are they doing as MLB? I'm going to stop that one day. Don't worry. The they will become a we, the we will become an us, and all will be okay again. What do I do? Very simply, I take the microphone and I say, we have made a change to the baseball. We would like to get the baseball back to the way it was as best as we can. We have told Rawlings and the people who actually make the baseballs, a company that we own, that we want to make sure the seams are exactly the way they were. And to do that, we have worked with the players union. We have worked with pitchers and we have gotten to the point where the pitchers feel that everything is exactly as it was. Do you know what happens when you do that baseball? The story's over. And now, by having pitchers come out, by having baseball stay quiet and stick to their narrative that nothing's changed ever, it becomes a story still. What about the Astros? Anybody watch an Astros game this weekend? So I did. We talked a little bit about this earlier, that they were getting booed. So it went up a notch this past weekend. 
And I want to explain what happened. And I want to explain how we can stop it from happening. During spring training and during the regular season, one of the things that baseball has, not as good as basketball, where people sit courtside and you're, <clears throat> you are literally four inches away from a player. In baseball, the front row behind the plate has gotten closer to the plate. Seats next to the dugout, once reserved for teams or owners, are now being sold as season tickets. Seats right above the dugout while behind a net are still in close proximity to players as they come off the field and go into the dugout. What this means is that the Houston Astros will be subject to heckling all season long. Heckling. What kind of heckle did we hear this weekend? It was a great one. A man came down right next to the dugout and started yelling into the dugout. Hey, Jose, you give him back the MVP? Hey, Astros, you give him back the trophy? Hey, Ken Giles, are you giving back your ring? Ha, ah, that's a joke to the news today when Ken Giles said that he would give back his ring. And I went on Twitter at David P. Sampson. I said, big deal. Give back your ring? Why don't you give back your playoff share? Why don't you give back all the money you made through arbitration because of your inflated save stats, because your team had a lead so often, because you were stealing signs, even though you're claiming you had no idea what was happening? So what about that sort of heckle? Instead, the heckle was, give back the trophy, give back the MVP. And all of a sudden, the Astros looked up. We don't know whether it was a player, a security guard, a trainer. Somebody in that dugout looked up at this man and said, quote, as long as you keep paying to see us. As long as you keep paying to see us. That's not how to respond to hecklers. Here's the problem. I was a big heckler in my day with the Knicks. Just ask Jerry Reinsdorf when he first met me. He first met me when I was a little boy as a heckler. Sort of like Robin Ficker, if you remember that name. Big time heckler. Except the way to heckle is do not ever ever swear, don't ever be personal, and keep going until they respond. So as a team, we tell our players, when people are heckling you, ignore it. They will go away. Do not respond because that makes them want to heckle more because they're getting your attention. Do you think it bothered me when Charles Barkley gave me the finger when I was heckling him during the old days with the Knicks? No, I loved it. Do you think it bothered me when players would threaten to leave the bench and come up and fight because I was talking about how overpaid they were or if they played defense incorrectly or they didn't know the play that was being called by Red Halsman or Pat Riley? I wanted them to respond. When I went to the other side, when I'm running a team, I don't want players to respond. We would talk to our players. Do not engage. Dusty Baker and the new GM, Click, and the owner, Jim Crane, James Click and Jim Crane, thank you, Matt, just kidding, he's quiet, have to get together with the players, explain to them what's going to happen every game, maybe some home games too, but every road game and every spring game, and they've got to learn to be quiet. We had a little trick we would use, that we would write down the things we wanted to say to the heckler. So whenever I would get heckled, let's say, I would write down what I'd love to say. And I wouldn't say it until I was in the privacy of my office or the clubhouse. And then I would tell the story. Did you hear that heckler telling me to give back the MVP or saying how much that trade was terrible? 
Well, I was going to tell him, hey, wouldn't you want to be in my shoes? Wouldn't it be better if you were the president of a team? Hey, wouldn't you like to have a World Series trophy? Hey, you can talk all you want, but guess what? We're rich. There's a million responses you could have, but none of them should be made public. So for the Astros to survive and thrive this season, while everyone is predicting that they're going to have a tough, bad season because they're going to basically falter under the weight of these hecklers and all of the boobers. If the Astro brass could just give them the arrows in their quiver, then they will go on to win the pennant and may even win the World Series. When you hear the heckle, keep it down. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. So you want to talk to Samson, do you? That's okay. I want to talk too. I appreciate that when you follow me on Twitter and when you give me great topics. It's, I mean, there is no shortage. I cannot believe some of the things that you all want to hear about, and I'm happy to talk about all of them. This one was an interesting one, though, because this had to do with business and with baseball. So you want to talk to Samson, of course, it's from the movie Half-Baked. Just go on Twitter, DM me, say it so you want to talk to Samson, at David P. Samson, and I'll talk about it. I'll try to answer your, your uh, DM as well. Here was the question. With so many players coming out against Astros players and the lack of punishment the Astro players received, what is the likelihood of player discipline being included in the next CBA? How would this work? And can you compare it to PEDs and the players who spoke out against that and then the resulting increased punishment? Well, that's two questions. So I'm going to get it to you very, very separately. One, with so many players coming out against the players, what is the likelihood of player discipline being included in the next CBA? Here's how it works. The owners want to hear from the players. They want to hear when the players have an emotional investment in a bargaining topic that the owners know that they care about way more than the players do or should. The owners want to get punishment of players suspensions of players, because when a player's suspended, guess what? They don't get paid. So if a player's going to violate a rule, if a player's going to be caught cheating, if a player's going to get punished in any way, they want to make sure that there are levels of punishment that come with whatever the associated rule that's being violated is. So for example, we know if you take steroids, you're out, boom, 80 games. 
You get caught twice. Boom. You're out a year. 162 games. The penalties did not start as that because the union would not agree to bigger penalties for players who got caught with steroids. But then players spoke up. Players like Justin Verlander spoke up and said, we don't want anyone doing steroids. If you do steroids, you're a cheater, and we want to know who the players are who are doing it. We want to name them, and we want to suspend them. All of a sudden, the union then agreed to the larger suspensions. That was music to owners' ears. It's the same thing now with sign stealing and the technology that's being used to help players cheat. MLB is getting crushed, absolutely hammered. It's the worst PR in decades, all because they didn't get to punish players. If now players are coming out and saying, we agree that the Astros should have been punished, the players should have been punished, the first thing the owners are doing and that MLB, the commissioner and the negotiators, they're calling the players union and saying, listen, listen to your entire electorate. All members of your union want the same thing we do. This shouldn't even be a fight. We have to come out with a new policy right now before the season starts about technology and punishing players who violate now that everything's come out with what the Astros did. Now that the Red Sox is going to be announced this week or next week, we then have to come out with strong punishments. And guess what? The owners didn't have to give one thing up in the negotiation. It wasn't a trade at all because the players were so silly to have given information to the owners as they're entering a negotiation about things that matter to them. If you are a player and you've got something that you want in a collective bargaining agreement and you've got something that you're willing to give, don't tell the owners you're willing to give it. Get something in return. If you want players to be punished, Say out loud publicly, we do not want players to be punished. We disagree that anyone in our union should ever be punished for coming forward and doing something that they did not know was against the rules. Even if you don't believe it, that's what you say. You position yourself because then at the negotiating table, the owners will have to say, hey, we're getting tremendous pressure to punish players. We want to negotiate the right to punish players. We are willing to give you blank for you to let us punish you. And you say, no, we're against it. Give us more. Instead, the owners say, we want to punish players and you want to punish them too. So let's just get something announced. It's another example of players being outsmarted. And I don't blame them. Do you think owners can play baseball on the field? Do you think owners can hit fastballs or recognize breaking balls, cans or no cans? Do you think they can pitch, hit, field? No, none of them can. None of them. Even the former players who are owners can no longer do the things that the current players can do because they're old. Just like you, the players, you can't do what owners do. You just don't have that capacity. I'm not saying you're not smart. I'm not saying you're not intelligent. I'm not saying that you have no ability to ever run a business. What I'm saying is you are not trained or well-versed in what it is to be an owner and to be in a collective bargaining situation. You've seen it time and time again when former players become executives. How does it work out? How does it work out? Take a look around. Not so well. So my advice to the players is zip it. 
Don't give away your position. It's like being in the middle of an argument with someone and you give away the fact that you don't actually care about the position you're taking. Guess what happens? The argument ends and you lose. (laughs) Thank you. So you want to talk to Samson. Okay, so I gave in. I was obviously going to see Frozen 2. I watch a movie, you know that, one a day, movie or TV show. I wanted to see Frozen 2 this weekend, so I did. I sat down to watch it. I had very low expectations because I'm an anti-sequel guy. Other than Godfather 2, there are very few sequels that are either better than the original or even worth watching at all. Now, I love the Mission Impossibles. There are series, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. A series is not a sequel, just to make sure we're clear on that. So I watched Frozen 2, mostly because the star of Frozen 2 is Josh Gad, a good friend of Miami, a good friend of the Marlins, of the Heat, of the Dolphins, a local product who has made it quite big in Hollywood, unbelievably talented, gives back to his community, cares about the country, cares about the environment. He actually is one of the good guys. Had an opportunity to spend time with him at an all-star game, and we had our share of fun, but also got to know exactly what is inside him, what makes him such a good person. His talent, endless. He started Book of Mormon. Remember, if you've seen Book of Mormon with Josh Gad, you're lucky on Broadway. You've seen him in movies, including The Internship. You've seen him in places where you may not remember you saw him, the movie 21. This guy is a legitimate big-time movie star. So the voice of Olaf is Josh Gad. Olaf is the comedy relief. Olaf is basically the character that makes you laugh. It makes He makes you cry. And he and the original Frozen, that was the emotional pull, believe it or not, was Olaf. So I go into Frozen 2. I have no idea why you're laughing, Quinn. I'm in the middle of the review. Quinn You know Quinn works with us. She's staring at me and laughing. I'm not even at the funny part of the review yet. So Frozen 2, Kristen Bell, thank you so much, Coca. There's a funny part. It's not that there's a funny part, Coca, but there's a part where I'm going to say you should either watch it or not watch it. And you know with Josh Gad in it, I went in it wanting to like it. And Idina Menzel reprises her role, as does Kristen Bell. You've got Elsa. You've got Anna. They did it. It's Anna, 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 tomato, tomato. Uma, Oprah, Oprah, Uma. Any case, Frozen 2. The songs, original, unbelievable. They're as good or better than Frozen 1. The character development, you actually watch these sister and sisters and their relationship develop in a way that you did not think possible. Disney has outdone itself. The character of Olaf turns into this sort of extraordinarily moralistic character who gives us the most important message of the whole movie. Spoiler alert, his message is, hey, it's all going to be okay. And right now in this country, as we worry about the coronavirus, as we worry about the economy, as we worry about the presidential election, as the polarizing views of so many are on display, having someone like Josh Gad through a character who's a snowman, who can be ripped apart and put together again like Humpty Dumpty, Dumpty, having him say, you know what? It's all going to work out. It's all going to make sense. That's a positive. Frozen 2 is a sequel that is a must-see. And it's not even with your kids that you have to see it. It's just as much for adults as it is for kids. Of course, if you have kids, you're going to see it multiple times. Frozen 2, good job, guys.
Coca, you're funny. You really are. What what exactly was wrong with that review in your mind? I want to tell our listeners. By the way, thank you for downloading. Thank you for rating, reviewing. I appreciate it very much. We continue to grow. We, we're going to have a pod that drops, a bonus pod at the end of this week where I'll be answering your questions. If you have other questions, you can rate me on Apple Five Star. By the way, Coco, when I'm doing this plug, you're supposed to be in my ear telling me what you didn't like about the review. So when I'm done with the plug, I can then go ahead. Oh, my God. Okay. Coca, he's learning, right? I told you before when we did our segment on the producer, he's learning. He just told me what he didn't like about that review is that he didn't think that I was cool enough. It's ridiculous. Mookie Betts, what do you do when you go to, uh, what do you do when you go to work your first day? First day in a new office, surrounded by new people. What's the first thing you do? Anybody? Anybody? Nothing. You put your head down, you do your job. You put your thermos in the refrigerator. You hope to God no one calls out your name. You get your ID from human resources and you do your job. You're not leading any team meetings. You're not leading. You're not changing the way of the business world, the way that your company has operated. You're simply trying to fit in. Well, Mookie Betts did not get that memo. Mookie Betts is a new member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And for whatever reason, and it's a reason I can't for the life of me figure out, Mookie Betts in the first week of spring training, just picture management walking in like a new person walks into CBS Sports HQ, hasn't worked here at all, walks in, no one knows him, goes to all the people who work to put shows on, who do the CBS Sports HQ, all the, the local shows, the national shows, everything that goes on, walks in day one, sits down with everyone and says, guess what? Everything you've done sucks. We're changing everything. And if we don't triple our numbers in a way that you can't control, but if we don't attain that, then you are all going to lose your jobs and we're going to be failures. How would you respond to that as a worker? Would you say, wow, I'm so scared. Wow, this guy's a natural born leader. Wow, I love this new management here at HQ. No. You want someone to come in and start taking notes, to start meeting with people, understanding how things work before making changes, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, figure out the internal politics, who they can rely on to give proper information, who the leaders are, and then working with those leaders to figure out, A, if you want them to still be your leaders, and then B, what those leaders can do to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. It's the same thing in a major league clubhouse. It's the same thing in a major league team. Mookie Betts get traded to the Dodgers, who have won seven straight divisions in the National League West, who have been to the World Series two out of the last three years, who admittedly have not won a ring since 1988. But as Mookie Betts knows, as a world champion with the Red Sox, getting to the playoffs is the hard part. Winning the World Series, there is a huge amount of luck that's involved. So Mookie Betts sits down. He sits down with his team and he goes public and says, you know what? If we do not win the World Series, we are a failure. The only thing that you should be focused on is playing every ground ball, every at bat, every moment like it's game seven of the World Series. Mookie knows better. You can't have a baseball season of 162 games and play every at bat in every game like it's game seven of the World Series. If you want your manager to be fired, 
The surefire way to fire your manager is a manager who manages every game like it's game seven of the World Series. You want a player to get burnt out or to get injured? You play every game like it's game seven of the World Series. I'm not saying you don't hustle. I'm not saying you don't work hard and keep yourself in shape. There is a big difference between coming to work every day during the course of a long baseball season, being prepared mentally and physically to do your job. There is a big difference between that and the mentality of a game seven of the World Series. So Mookie Betts has this player meeting and existing Dodgers like Justin Turner go public and say, oh, my God, what a talk. What a leader. I love this guy. You know what they were thinking in real life? They were looking at Mookie Betts and they were saying, really? Really? You're going to walk in here? You're about to have a report about your team, the Boston Red Sox. Whatever comes out doesn't matter to me that your name's not implicated. We know you guys were stealing signs. We know very well that we may have lost a World Series in 17 because the Astros were cheating. You think that we don't know the importance of wanting to win a World Series in a market like L.A. where the only thing anyone remembers is Kirk Gibson rounding the bases, pumping his fists with his home run off Dennis Eckersley? You think we need you, Mookie, to remind us the situation we're in? You think Dave Roberts doesn't realize that for his job, he needs to win a World Series? Or Clayton Kershaw needs help remembering the fact that he's got to change his postseason narrative? Publicly, they're on the right page. Publicly, they supported Mookie and said, what a great leader. So happy to have him. He's there for a year, boys. One year. Because your GM, Andrew Freeman, doesn't sign guys for more than $55 million in free agency. So you think that Mookie's re-signing with you for 350 large? He's there for a year. Why does he want to win a World Series? Because he wants to break Bryce Harper and Mike Trout's record. He wants to be the highest paid free agent of all time and knows that if he's on a World Series winning team yet again, two titles plus an MVP prior to free agency, he will get paid. You think I'm being cynical? No. You want cynicism? Let's talk about Tony Romo. All right, everyone at CBS Become, we're talking about him. $17 million. It leaked that Tony Romo, <clears throat> by the way, Matt Coca just resigned. He wants to say he's putting up a lower, if you're watching this on uh, on YouTube or on HQ, what you're going to see on the bottom of the screen is the views expressed in this segment have nothing to do with the producers or the network of this show. Coca's making sure that he in no way gets implicated. So for the record, Coca said, do not talk about Tony Romo and CBS. But this is nothing personal with David Sampson. And I promised you, the audience, that I would talk about stories that are relevant that you're talking about. Who's not talking about Tony Romo? Everybody, players, analysts in every sport are talking about the new deal he signed. First, let's give you the stats. 17 million a year for three years. That's the rumor. 51 over three. Wait a minute. We heard it was a multi-year deal. We heard it was for more than a hundo. Well, we also heard that CBS's deal to cover the NFL runs out. And if CBS does not renew its agreement with the NFL, then they're not going to pay Tony Romo. But if they do renew with the NFL, then Tony Romo's deal gets extended by seven years at that $17 million. 
That is a very creative way for both Tony and for CBS. People are losing their minds. Was Tony Romo overpaid? Players are coming out. Odebell Beckham Jr., that malcontent, came out and said, hey, maybe I should stop playing and be an announcer. Hey, Odell, go ahead. Try it. Let's see exactly what you'd get paid as an announcer. I'd stick to football. Do I tune into CBS because of Tony Romo? Not a chance. Does anyone tune into CBS because of Tony Romo? No. What they do is they tune in because of the product, NFL. And then what Tony Romo does is compliments it. He is a perfect, maybe the best analyst there is. If the Super Bowl were on a different channel and Tony Romo were not the analyst, would you not watch the Super Bowl? Here's another question. CBS has the Super Bowl this coming year. Would you not watch the Super Bowl if they had not re-signed Tony Romo? Of course not. Of course you'd still watch it. But are you going to enjoy it more because Tony Romo is good at his job? Are you going to enjoy it more that you don't have to listen to that guy at ESPN named um, Booger McFarland? who was You can't even listen to him. He's so bad. So what do you do? Do I not watch Monday Night Football? Of course I'm still going to watch it, but the volume's going to be off. I'm going to turn it on for the commercials, though. Don't worry, advertisers. There's something in this world called supply and demand. So for all the people out there saying that he is overpaid by getting $17 million a year, that's where you're wrong. When, this, when CBS is willing to spend over a billion dollars on a product, let me give you the equivalent. If I'm paying Shaquille O'Neal $30 million a year and he can't shoot free throws, but I'm not willing to spend 30 grand on a free throw shooting guru to come help him shoot free throws, doesn't that just make me a prized fool? Doesn't it make me bad at my job? CBS has paid so much money for the rights to the NFL. They want the best. Tony Romo became a free agent at the perfect time. What do you need to get paid the most money you can for all of you people out there looking to get paid? Leverage. Tony Romo had leverage because there was another network who desperately wanted him. And as part of his contract, there was a right to match and there was a right to even stop him from negotiating with anyone if he resigned prior to March 1st. Brilliant provisions by Tony. Not so brilliant by CBS. That said, is CBS unhappy? The only thing they're unhappy about is what will happen now to other analysts who come out and say, hey, my name's Peyton Manning. I've never called a game in my life, but I'm not taking under $17 million. Really? Then keep doing your commercials. Just because you're an analyst doesn't mean you're good. And just because you're good doesn't mean that you can't be replaced. Don't ever suffer from the irreplacement, irreplaceable man syndrome. Tony Romo was in the right place at the right time, and maybe one day you will be too. Just not this day. Congrats to CBS. Congrats to Tony Romo. Coco, we're back. Pick of the day. God, do I suck. It's embarrassing. Did the Nuggets beat the Clippers on Friday night? I think they did. I think the Nuggets won by 30. That was a great pick by me. 
I'm just kidding. The Clippers won by 30. I'm five games under. I'm really four games under. Well, the Heat are one of the best home teams in basketball, and there's a game I'm watching. You have to watch the Bucks as they go for the best record in history. They're probably one of the top 10 teams of all time, but they're favored by four over the Heat at home. The Heat, one of the best home teams, fighting for first-round home court advantage, and they're getting points? Yeah, they are, and I'm giving them. And the reason I'm giving them is that the Bucks are just so far better than the Heat. It's not even close. It literally is not close. I thought this line would have been eight. So what I'd like to do, Coca, can we count this as a triple win? So I go from 16 and 21 in, instead of basically 17 and 21 if I win by giving four. If I give 12 do I get to count that as three wins? So Coca just said I have to correctly predict the score to get three wins. That's ridiculous. I want to change the line from four to 12. I'll make you a deal, Coca. I'll change the line from four to eight in order to get two wins. So I'm saying Bucks minus four is for a win. Bucks minus eight is for two wins. And a final score of 103 to 89 is how I get three wins. 103.89 bucks for three. If I lose everything, I just go to 16.22 and one. Pick of the day. Bucks over the heat. It's our show, Coca. It's our rules. Okay, wait to see. Aaron Judge. Anyone's fingers crossed? Any Yankee fans out there? You have no more appendages left to cross. You crossed your fingers when Severino got hurt and then he had Tommy John. So those fingers are stuck in the cross position. You crossed your toes when Hicks thought he may have to have Tommy John. He had it. Toes are crossed. All of a sudden, Paxton's hurt. He had some back issues. So you crossed your other set of fingers. Those are still crossed. And you're doing great thinking I still have my two pinkies that I can use to eat. And then Stanton goes down. You've got nothing left to cross. And now we hear that Judge, he still has not had an at-bat at an A game. An A game is a big league spring training game. They're saying his MRI was clean. They're saying they're going to give updates throughout the week. The only update you should care about is a fan because we'll mislead you all the time when we give you what the status of a player is. We'll say it's not as bad as it, as it is all the time. What you need to focus on, when does he get at bats at a major league game? Not in the backfields, not against a B team for an A game. A regular spring training game, he needs to be back in the lineup. Then, when does he play back-to-back? That's when you will know. Wait to see. Aaron Judge will come back sooner than Giancarlo Stanton. That's the only wait to see I can promise. I think they're both going to miss some regular season games, but Judge is going to miss fewer. So for all you season ticket holders in New York who are upset about not being able to see any of these A-list stars and seeing the B team, don't ever ask for a refund because you know exactly what the Yankee team owners will say to you. Hey, man, thanks for buying the tickets, but this is business. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 